Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. I'm Andy White, and I'm joined today by Robin Christofferson. Hi, Robin. Hello. Robin, I've seen you using your iPhone as a blind person. Tell me a bit about yourself. So, uh, yeah, I am head of digital inclusion at AbilityNet, who are a, a charity, UK's uh, leading expert charity on technology and disability, which is actually quite easy to say because... We're the only organisation that is pan-disability, so right across the, the board, you know, disability with a capital D in all its forms, but also dyslexia and RSI and age-related conditions and literacy issues and um, technology right across the spectrum as well. And I'm particularly interested in, uh, obviously, the emerging technologies, mobile, obviously, wearables, robotics, uh, you name it, we can, we can talk about it. Because, you know, we, we, we think about accessibility, but it's, it's more than that, isn't it? How should we be thinking about it? So accessibility, the idea of, has been around for quite some time. It's been a legal requirement since 99 to have an accessible website, for example. But accessibility has until quite recently been seen as or thought of as a sort of a niche requirement. You know, it's a legal requirement and there's quite a bit of work involved to get it right and it's to help disabled people. And that's been the sort of scenario that we've been uh, kind of dealing with. And we're trying to, or rather people are moving away from that idea now. And I'll explain why in a moment. But the danger about thinking about it in this sort of niche capacity is that when push comes to shove, because it's this bolt on thing that you need to do for disabled people, um, it can easily be dropped off again as well, you know, for budget reasons or because the person that you've commissioned who swore that they are up on accessibility when they were putting in their tender um, actually turn out not, you know, they're kind of behind the learning curve and they were using this particular commission to to kind of get up to speed on what this accessibility thing is after all. And so after, you know, 15 years of it being a requirement, we're still you know, 90, mid 90% websites out there don't even meet the base level of, of single A compliance. And the legal requirement is double A and, and triple A is like the Rolls Royce solution. So yeah. um, we're still sort of a long way from where we could be. But accessibility now is um, now that we're moving into mobile, for example, um, accessibility is mainstream and 
I'll certainly talk a little bit more about that in a moment. We want people to think of accessibility as inclusive design, as designing for every customer, and who wouldn't want to optimise the experience for for every single customer? Don't think about it as disability yeah. any longer. Yes, because this is I think this is a mistake a lot of us make. You know, we, we, it's not just about disabilities, and you use that wonderful word inclusive. Absolutely. So the main area, I mean, the the DRC, the Disability Rights Commission, who um, were replaced by the Equality and Human Rights Commission about five years ago now, um, they did some really interesting research. They looked at a thousand websites and they got lots of disabled people involved, but they also got a control group of, you know, able-bodied testers. And one of the many interesting findings that came out was that sites that met even single A, the base level of accessibility, the able-bodied users found them much easier to use as well. Yeah. On average, they were able to undertake tasks, complete tasks on these accessible websites, on average 35% more quickly than inaccessible websites. So this is one of the many reasons why accessibility isn't just to help disabled people. You get this, what you might call a 35% usability bonus for every single visitor to your site. Then if you think about SEO, for example, which is every online marketer's uh, on on their radar, Mm. um, Google gives you loads of brownie points for accessibility as well. There's a like 95% correlation between all of the different various technical checkpoints that you need to comply with to help disabled people and those that will help your SEO as well. So good semantic code on your pages, proper hierarchy of headings, Mm. making sure that all your images are properly labelled, having slim code where content is separated from from presentation, so using style sheets to govern layout and stuff. All of these things are absolutely vital for people with different disabilities, but Google will give you lots of love as well, and your rankings will be that much better, and you won't have to indulge in all of these um, murkier elements of of trying to optimize your search engine rankings so that's another area where you know you get this these very significant spin-off benefits that accessibility gives you so don't just think about it as as you know becoming compliant with your legal requirements your ethical or moral requirements actually this the, the the sticks are far outweighed by the carrots and um Perhaps a little bit later on, we'll talk about, you know, a couple of case studies that AbilityNet have been involved in. Well, let's, where... talk, let's talk about that now, actually, Robin, because I, I find the whole area very interesting. I mean, I mean, another consideration is the ageing population, etc. But you tell us about some of those um, cases. So just to sort of pick a few at random, um, AbilityNet have, for example, helped Virgin Atlantic overhaul their customer-facing website, and they got a 68% uptake in in um online traffic as a result they were they were physically i mean it was it was it was pretty poor before and and the sort of number of platforms that they were giving effective access to was really quite restrictive Mm. and um accessibility certainly makes your your sites more browser you know cross browser compatible etc um because a lot of the technologies that disabled people are using to access content is relatively um, unconventional and they actually do there's a significant overlap between those technologies and you know what what browsers need to both to best uh render pages effectively on different screen sizes etc etc so um but probably the most significant one that we've been involved in is legal and general's 
website. And again, it wasn't a fantastic website beforehand, so that probably makes the figures look even better. But after we helped them to refresh their website and make sure that it was inclusive, mm. they saw a, a 95% increase oh, wow. in online insurance so quotes. It, it nearly doubled then. And a 90% increase in online sales. So, you know... So they, 95%... Increase in online insurance quotes. Yeah, and a 90% were, um, in, in, requested. in sales inquiries? So that, yeah, the 95% increase in sales inquiries, let's call it, quotes being requested, and, and that translated into a 90% increase in online sales. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and they, um, because the, the site had been completely refreshed and it was much slimmer, much more um, platform compatible um, and mobile ready, you know, it was um, responsive, then the pages were, were much slimmer. They were having 200K a year savings in bandwidth and wow. maintenance alone. The average um, fix to implement um, from a site maintenance point of view went down from five days to half a day. Wow. So they recouped their, the cost of refreshing the website entirely within about 14 months. But obviously that's a year on year saving. So yeah. that's staggering, you know, the sort of um, potential for um, uplifting in, in online revenue, in customer satisfaction. And obviously, if you do have a website that then becomes accessible or a mobile site or a, a, a mobile app, then you can uh, get some really good PR around it because, as I said before, the vast majority of websites aren't anywhere close. What about inclusiveness in the, the online marketing arena, Robin? Some tips there, perhaps? There's some... There's some probably better to sort of about, talk about the things that are common pitfalls that you should avoid. Yeah. So with marketing, you know, there's a lot of email marketing, for example. And I very rarely, because, you know, being a blind person reliant on speech output myself, I very rarely encounter an e-marketing email that has labeled images, for example. Um, they almost always table based for for layout of the html email which is makes things very difficult as well yeah and where you look at websites you know if you've got flash then accessibility is is very doable with flash but it's uh it's not a given by any means mm. so you actually have to consciously layer flash a uh, layer accessibility on top of flash to make sure that that content will be accessible and if you've got offers uh, discounts that especially are only available in the online context that you're um, displaying through inaccessible content, like a, an inaccessible flash embedded on your homepage, for example, mm. then not only will you be missing out on the custom of those particular individuals, but you are actually, that's probably the highest, highest risk um, place to be in from a litigation point of view, because you're discriminating um, those offers aren't being made available. So online, offers online services you know that are that are available only online if they're not done in an accessible way then not only do you uh, fall foul of the equality act it's also um the goods and services provision of goods and services law etc and uh, i've been an expert witness and so i know you know what the issues are yeah. and the, I the was, pitfalls involved i was going to ask you about that actually robin because um most of us are completely, you know, we, we just don't know about this legislation really as much as we should do. What, what are the basics that we should be aware of? So the Equality Act 
is yeah. the, probably the most significant one that you um, sort of need to think about and that people will use against you. Um, but if you're in the public sector, then there is an additional requirement, the disability equality duty for your customers. Mm. And if you're an employer, and um, it applies equally to intranets and software programs that people use internally, then it's employment law, uh, duty of care, etc., that you have to um, consider too. So most people, there, there, there are some very um, prominent cases, you know, Target recently in the States and the uh, Sydney Olympics uh, several years ago now um, are sort of very notable ones. And the temptation is to think that there isn't actually any legal activity going on, for example, over here in the UK, because we don't hear about it. Mm. Well, actually, there is quite a lot going on. and people um, don't want to become a sort of legal precedent in in UK law that will then be quoted forevermore about, you know, what not to do and who was, you know, unsuccessful in this area. So what they're doing is they're settling out of court. So and part of that settlement, part of the, you know, financial settlement to, to the individual going along with that is a... Uh, a clause that there should be anonymity. So, you know, they're saying, well, look, we'll put our hands up, we'll pay you some. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I need to keep quiet, but, you know, we'll only pay you if you, if you promise to, to not, you know, go to the press about the result of this particular tribunal. So, wow. um it's not um, as if there is nothing going on over here and that you're completely safe from uh, legis- you know, litigation. It's just that people are settling out of court and, and uh, asking people to, uh, to keep quiet about it. Robin, what about mobile? Is there anything specific, you know, when people are designing apps, say, for example, for, for mobile or websites to be shown on mobile, is there anything they need to think about there in terms of inclusiveness? Oh, absolutely. So this is a continuation of the theme where accessibility is actually really good for every user. It's kind of more so, though, in the mobile space. If you think about using or accessing content and functionality on the go, it's like extreme computing. So you've got a smaller screen than a normal desktop, you know, monitor. Um, You're out and about. So it might be bright, sunny day with glare on the glass. Mm. Um, You might be only being able to use it one handed. Or you might be in the car, for example, and you can't really interact with the phone in any meaningful way except, 
but still people really, really want to be able to use their phone. They can't help themselves, you know, so they're being pulled over for texting whilst driving or, or calling, you know, with still holding the phone to their head, that sort of thing. Yeah. So if you think about mobile computing um, as extreme computing, then all of the things that help disabled people will be helping every user. So, for example, if your app or your, your web-ready website, your mobile-ready website, if you've made the, the text size, the default font size, a decent size, if you've made it a nice, clear font, if you've chosen your, your colours wisely so that they got a good contrast, then it's going to be helping those people that are trying to look at the, the screen on a bright, sunny day who are kind of arguably temporarily visually impaired for all intents and purposes, mm. then you're going to be helping people who have a permanent vision impairment all the time. If your app is simple enough to be used by somebody who's got two minutes in a coffee break to buy a gift for someone, then that simplicity of design is going to be a gift for somebody who's permanent, you know, who's got um, learning difficulties, for example, who permanently requires simplicity. If, uh, you know, somebody who is driving needs to be able to interact with your app by issuing voice commands and it would respond and having it speak speak back to you, for example, then um, because that person who's driving is in effect temporarily visually impaired and sort of physically impaired, they can't interact with the phone in, in the normal way, then that capability would help people who are permanently blind, who need to use speech output or who permanently need to be able to speak to the, to the app. And that sounds like a lot of work and apologies if, you know, we've got very technical in this podcast, mm. but um, the, the, all, all of the answers are embodied in the accessibility guidelines. So if you're saying, well, blimey, how, how can I crack this one? Then we would say go to the accessibility guidelines, make sure that your developers, um, everybody is aware of these guidelines and what they entail. If, you know, you want to come to AbilityNet with help in that regard, then please do. Um, they're all out there and the benefits of making sure that your content, your functionality is inclusive, is accessible, are only getting bigger and bigger every, every day. Robin, I saw a video of you um, recently and you had some really cool tech on your, is it your iPhone? It was, it was a smartphone. Other phones are available. Yes, yeah, so. yes, other phones are available. Can you tell us about some of the cool tech that you use as a, as a blind person? So I do a lot of public speaking at the moment, and it's just such an exciting area. You know, the since um, I mean, I, I owe my my education and my employability, I'm sure, to the fact that technology came around just at the right time for me. You know, the PCs in the 80s, and I had a talking PC, and the first laptop laptop I had was like a little suitcase size. You know, yeah, and that was fantastic, and it opened so many doors. But the mobile revolution the smartphone revolution that that happened a few years ago has has probably got all the potential for a much more significant impact you know you've got all the power of a pc in your pocket mm. plus so many different um sensors peripherals um sort of smartness going on so as an example i mean my i'm i'm totally wedded to my phone and i use it every single day and um you know so many apps from from navigation where you get turn by turn directions and it can tell me um what you know points of interest i'm passing or even this the, the numbers of the the buildings that i'm going past what mm. my um the coming up uh, in intersections are roads wise and that sort of thing orientation um 
if you're in a wide open space, you can drop sort of virtual breadcrumbs as you walk so that you can then trace your path back through a park or a, or a large car park or something um, by following a sort of a virtual path that you've, you've left to yourself. Most people might think that um, a blind person wouldn't get much use out of the camera on a, on a phone, for example, but actually nothing could be further from the truth mm. because, you know, if you've got a pair of eyes that don't, don't work, then having an eye that does work with that's with you all the time that has quite a lot of smarts behind it is actually a godsend. So I use it for, um, as an app called Talking Goggles, for example, yeah. which does uh, basically live real-time object or optical character recognition um so i just point this it's in video mode you know i just point the phone at something Mm. and it will recognize it so it could be you know a a cd cover it could be a book it could be some paperwork it will do optical character recognition you know recognize text and speak it back to me of paperwork if i'm out and about i could point it at a building we were in london the other day and we pointed it at the gherkin and said it was the gherkin we uh, when I'm doing presentations, I have slides up on the the um, you know the big screen, and I get a victim from the audience to point the phone at pictures. Um, I have someone wearing Google Glass, for example, coming up on the screen, and it says Glass. I have a picture of the Eiffel Tower, and it says Eiffel Tower. I have some text, and it reads the text back. So all of this real time. Now you know those sort of smarts are absolutely invaluable so i could probably talk all afternoon about the things that i personally use uh technology for but in a lot of the presentations that i do i talk more generally about the stuff that is is either here or just around the corner so Mm. autonomous vehicles for example are going to be hitting our streets they're already legal in three states in america google have paid 258 billion dollars to uber to um commissioner a fleet of 250,000 autonomous taxis and you know they will be street legal oh, that within is so cool several years you know i am I, I fully anticipate that within half a decade you will have the option of spending another i don't know 2000 5000 pounds on the price of you know a, a wide range you'd have a wide choice of commercial vehicles mm. you know standard family cars that you would be able to add on autonomous driving capability and i'm really looking forward to that so i talk a lot about that but like with all of these things you know will it be inclusive it takes it's accessibility is like a chain and if there's one broken link in that chain Mm. then the whole thing doesn't work so at the moment there's an app that you use to call an autonomous vehicle there's um they're testing these taxis on the streets of berlin at the moment now if that app wasn't done in an accessible way then a lot of people wouldn't be able to call the vehicle. Yes. When it gets there, you know, how will it announce itself on the curb? Will it kind of beep or say, I'm over here? Or can you use the sort of um, the compass sort of tricorder approach on the on your phone, which is what I use to follow my breadcrumbs back through a park? You know, would you be able to use that to detect where the car is and, and sort of walk to where the car is? Yes. When you get in, will it announce where you're going? You know, so that um, when you stop at a traffic light, for example, it, you know, it'll say... Um, stopping at traffic lights rather than you've reached your destination because i certainly would want to know that when i've got there i've got there and i'm not getting out in the middle of traffic just because we've stopped at traffic lights for example so and then you think about things like google glass and you know the the potential for and it being an inclusive device again are absolutely huge so for people with learning difficulties to overlay augmented reality like 
um, Google's Nav, which is already available in the in the Glass Store, mm. um, to be able to give people turn by turn directions as they're walking, plus visuals, you know, arrows to say now you know, turn left here and give you a map on screen in a heads up display would be hugely beneficial for people with learning difficulties, for example, along with everybody else. And that's the kind of main message we're trying to get across here. It's along with everybody else. It's all about being inclusive. What's useful or convenient for some, you know, for every user would be a game changer for disabled people if it's done in an inclusive way. So for me, I'm really looking forward to Glass because at the moment I have to take my smartphone out of my pocket and and open up talking goggles to be able to recognise objects and uh, read text and that sort of thing. But if it's on my face all the time, looking wherever I'm looking and intelligently deciding what things I need help with and giving me that information, that's just one step on of, you know, the power of the technology and, and it, you know, it helping me in a smart way. And similarly for people with a hearing impairment, for example, to be able to use the built-in built in microphone and voice recognition that you have in glass to be able to listen to what people are saying and have the translation of what they're saying coming up mm. like subtitles on your heads up display you know for people with a hearing impairment just think what a game changer that would be so i mean we could go on all afternoon about all the different potential uh you know the the empowering potential that all of these technologies are having not just for disabled people but for everyone it's a shame this isn't a technical podcast because we could <laughs> probably go on all afternoon but it's it's an absolutely fascinating area this whole sort of inclusiveness and the, the web and the way that the web and technology interface thank you so much for talking to us robin where can people find out about you and find out about AbilityNet? great so AbilityNet is abilitynet.org.uk so check out the website we're at AbilityNet on twitter or you can Follow me personally, which is at USA, which stand, which is really usability and accessibility. The number two day, so USA Today on Twitter. Robin Christofferson, Head of Digital Inclusion at AbilityNet. Thank you very much indeed. No problem. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember, show notes are on the website at sitevisibility.com forward slash IM podcast. Uh, for feedback, comments and questions, uh, email us at podcast at sitevisibility.com. Phone us if you want to leave a phone message, plus four four one two seven three two five six one five oh. You can always send us an audio file and don't forget we love comments on iTunes. So it's goodbye from me, Andy White, and it's goodbye from Robin. Thanks guys. Until next time on Internet Marketing. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., when your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. 
This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW.